from Psalms 19 tonight. And I do want to say thank you for coming. You did not have to come. It is a sacrifice. And uh, you're coming because you want to be here, evidently. And I appreciate that. I do appreciate it. I, I heard one of our churches that runs about 500. We had more people than they did Sunday. <laughs> so we're, we're among the big churches now. We're mega church. Everybody say we're mega church now. Now all of you out there in Radio Land, all of you that are watching this tonight, uh, just forgive us. We're just having a little fun. And uh, <clears throat> I've always wanted a mega church. I've always wanted a big church. I've always wanted, and uh, I still think that's a possibility that we could run 500 to 1,000 people in Tyler. And that would be good in some respects. I'd have to have a lot more help than I got now. If we were running a thousand, I'd have to call some of y'all to preach, put you on staff, pay you a salary, help me out. I better stop all this. I'm <clears throat> all right. Verse number 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and redeemer. I love that verse of scripture. I've quoted it many, many times in my life. I preached from this verse of scripture many, many times in my ministry. And today when I was <clears throat> seeking the Lord about this, I ran across this verse. Of the, no, I, I did, I did, but last night, I was sitting in my chair, and I was thinking about what I was going to preach today. And I remember last night, that verse popped in my, ver in my mind, and I just said it right then. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. And I was sitting there in that chair, and I got to thinking about that. Because, you know, we, we say a lot of words. Some of you more so than others. Some of you don't say much. Some of you say too much. Amen. There is a balance there somewhere. And you have to find where that balance is. Because I, if you're like my old grandma was, the only time, and I'm not joking when I say this, the only time that she wasn't talking when she stopped to spit her snuff in her can. That's the only time she didn't talk. My wife will verify this. I'm telling you that she just never stopped talking. Well, if all you do is talk and you don't listen, you never learn anything. Why am I saying that? A lot of times, even in prayer, we go in there, yeah, 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 Lord, do this. Lord, Lord, help me there. Heal this one. Do that. Go there. I need this. I need that. And we never take time to listen to the Lord. Sometimes the Lord wants to speak to us. And we have to listen. 
Everybody say, help me to listen to the voice of the Lord. So I want to talk to you tonight about acceptable words. Everybody say that with me. Acceptable words. You're going to have words come out of your mouth. Every one of you here, every one of you in this building have been using words today. And unless something happens to you, you're going to be using words tomorrow. You're going to be using words on your job. You're going to be using words when you get up and communicate with your family. You're definitely going to use words. We're going to communicate. So if we are, and we are, why not ask and pray that the Lord would give us acceptable words? Can anybody ask the Lord, give me acceptable words right now in my life? Can anybody do that right now? Would you just lift your hands and ask God to give you acceptable words? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, give me acceptable words coming out of my mouth. Help me, Lord, to say things that would edify, not things that would tear down, condemn, find fault. Help me not to be critical. I don't want a critical spirit. I want a right spirit in my mind, in my heart, in my life. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. All right. <clears throat> I've been dragging this out a little tonight because I don't feel like you're with me quite yet. We got too much wandering, too much other stuff. We had not brought our minds in on it right now. And I'm, I'm not angry about that. I just think we ought to bring our focus in here. Get your mind off your job, off your, off of all the things that are going on. Let's get on this Bible study. I'll be through here in just a little while if you'll give me the time, and uh, we'll go on. All right. Everybody say, God bless the Word of God. All right. Brother Gary, give me just a little bit of monitor, if you would. You can be seated. Words are powerful. The older and the wiser that we grow and get, we know that the adage is not true. That says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is not a true statement. I've heard people say that. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is not true because words do hurt us. And there are some of you sitting here tonight have been hurt in your past by things that people have said to you and it's caused you a lot of misery because someone said hurtful things to you. Psychologists tell us that one way parents destroy self-esteem and confidence in their children is by criticizing them or running them down, saying negative things to your children. Every day of our lives, a torrent of words 
tore from the mass media and from every political platform and every soapbox imaginable. Words do move people. They move people to buy and to sell, to hate and to love. They can, ex they can depress you. Words can distort and discourage and deceive, poisoning the very springs of our lives. That's why we need to be so careful about what we hear and what we say because words do affect every one of us sitting here today. Somebody say amen. amen. But words can also create new thoughts and arouse courage and faith and love. An unexpected word of kindness can change a life and set it on its feet again after you've been knocked down. The Bible has an awful lot to say about our words. Every word we speak is a container that is filled with something. Our words can be filled with love and joy and happiness and blessings. Or they can be filled with sarcasm and unbelief, all kinds of negative things, and even hate. Uh, and I, I should say, Pentecostals, please don't ever let your words get filled with hate. Words can curse and words can bless. Words can encourage and bring life. Words can discourage and bring death. The words that you hear linger with you. Biting, stinging, hurtful words we speak to our wife, our husband, or our children as they leave the house in the morning can rob them all through the day of the blessings of joy and peace and the good things that God wants us to have merely by the things that we say to our family. Loving and tender words of encouragement can linger also. And they can keep them encouraged all through the day and bring them to victory. If you're going to say anything to your children before you send them off to school or your husband or wife before you depart and they go to work, you need to make sure it's not something that's negative or hurtful or cutting because they'll be thinking on it all day long. And it robs you of your victory. The same thing is true spiritually. Words, spoken words, written words, even words set to music are more powerful than you can even imagine. And what you hear will hinder and creep into your spirit. If you're surrounding yourself with words of doubt, and words of fear and defeat and failure. Your believing will start moving in that direction. 
I said your believing, your faith will start moving in the direction of what you're thinking and dwelling on during your day. So will your life spiritually and carnally. When I read this scripture tonight, it said, Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart. It's not just what we say and what we hear that is so important. It's also what we allow our minds to think about and what we allow our eyes to look upon. Very important. Romans 10 and 17 says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We quote that so often. My favorite thing about that scripture I just read is that it says, Faith comes. When you start hearing the word of God, Get ready. Faith is on the way. If I will keep hearing what God's word says to me, if I will keep reading God's word, get ready. It's a promise. Faith is coming. If you want more faith in your life, you got to start hearing and reading the word of God because that's where faith comes from. Here's a list of some well-known fibs that all of you have heard before. The check is in the mail. Ever had anybody say that to you? Here's another thing. It's, it's just a fib. I'm fixing to start my diet tomorrow. Number three, give me your number and the doctor will call you right back. Number four, your luggage isn't lost, it's only misplaced. Here's one I just hate. Somebody say, I just need five minutes of your time. Knock on your door. I, I'm just in there. I just need five minutes of your time. It's a lie. Here's one that we don't like at all. Your table will be ready in just a few more minutes. How many times have we heard that one? And then we go to the dentist and he says, open wide, it's not going to hurt. <laughs> Number eight, your money will be cheerfully refunded. They never cheerfully give your money back. Number nine, hurry, this offer is limited to the first 100 people who call in. If you believe that, stand on your head right now. Number 10, when parents say this hurts me more than it hurts you. The New, York, <clears throat> the New York Times stated the results of a survey that 91%, everybody say 91%, 91% of Americans confess they regularly don't tell the truth. Boy, I hope there's more than 9% Pentecostals in the United States. I mean, I hope there's not more than nine. That's what I meant to say. Because if it is, we're going to have some Pentecostals lying. 20% 20, 20 admit they don't get through a day without conscious, premeditated white lies. 
I don't know if you know what a white lie is. That's, that's a sanctified lie. It's been washed. It's been baptized. It's been glorified. Uh, it's been prayed over. And, and, you know, it just couldn't help it. I had to tell a lie. The words we use in our conversation say a lot about our character. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34, and I'm using the New Living Translation for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Whatever's in your heart determines what you say. There are many words in the scripture that do carry a great message. There's an inevitable word that everyone knows about, and we all face it, and it's called death. A word that is both sweet and bitter is the word memory. A word that is a great teacher is experience. A mystery word is why. A word that opens heaven is repentance. A dangerous word is tomorrow. A favorite word of God is come. And a word that never comes back is now. A beautiful word is forgiveness. A hard word for a lot of people to say is no. In Genesis chapter 3, Satan did not use magic spells on Adam and Eve. He did not wiggle his nose. He did not sprinkle magic dust on them. He did not go woody wadi wadi woo. You know, he didn't do any of that stuff. He did not tie Eve to the tree and force her to eat of that fruit. Satan didn't come to Eve and deny the existence of God. He wasn't trying to tell Eve God does not exist. He knew he exists. But what happened was Satan implied that God was holding some good things back from her and Adam. He didn't deny that God had created, but began to question Eve about what God had said. Satan didn't cause Eve's Eve to question God's power, but His goodness, and to doubt His integrity. Satan knew that God's Word was true, but when man listened to Satan's words, man became the unbeliever. He lost confidence in God's Word. And believed a lie. He believed the devil. And Adam dropped from being spiritually minded to being carnally minded. 
because of what he listened to. We have too many born again, Holy Ghost filled people listening to what ungodly people have to say about other Christians, about healing, about the gospel message, and about the church. I'm really not interested in somebody giving me advice from the Word of God that's never obeyed the Word of God. If you've never been born again by what Jesus said in John chapter 3 and Peter said in Acts 2.38 and all the apostles preached it and believed it, I'm really not interested in finding out your opinion about being born again. Because if you're not getting your opinion from the Word of God, it's just merely an opinion. But if you get it from the Word of God, it becomes no longer just opinion. It becomes truth because it is ever settled in the Word of God. I want you to listen to me. If anybody starts telling you, I've been praying and I've been fasting and I've been studying the Bible and God has showed me some stuff. If those things are against the truth, this message, the Word of God, you better back away and not listen to that person. Because God will never, everybody say the word never with me. God will never show or reveal any new revelation or doctrine to anyone that is against the truth of his church and his plan of salvation. You cannot get spiritual enough to get a new revelation other than what God has given us in the Word of God. This is the only truth. This is the only revelation. This is the only gospel that'll get you out of this world. And you don't need to listen to the devil because that's where it's coming from. If you're starting to question these things, it's not God. It's always Satan trying to get us to question why. He always comes with that question, why? And if you're not careful, you'll get in that same mode. You can start questioning everything. Why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? And some people get that why mentality and they're searching and trying to figure out why we can't do all these things instead of being so excited about being born again and being in the kingdom of God and having the privilege of being chosen and going to heaven. They're looking for why we can't do something. I'm so glad that I'm in it. I want to I wanna just thank the Lord that I have that privilege. I'm not looking for any loopholes. I'm not looking for why we can't do that or this. I'm looking for the privilege that God has given me to go to heaven. Don't allow Satan to question what God has done for you. You know what God did for you when you got the Holy Ghost? You know what you came out of. You know what God set you from and brought you out of. You just go back and remind the devil, you ain't never brought me out of anything. 
All you've ever done is get me in a mess. You were destroying my life and making a wreck out of me and God brought me out and God cleaned me up and God made it right and you need to be thanking God for that and not listening to that devil. I felt the Holy Ghost in preaching this today. I hope somebody's either here hearing it or out there listening to it. I hope you hear me today. The devil's a liar and he wants to take away what God has given you. God has given you peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. God has given you nothing but good things. And don't you let him question you and make you feel like you're in a trap or, or you're all bound up and you're not free. Huh, I'm more free than I've ever been when I'm in God. I'm freer than I could ever be when I'm feeling the presence and the power in the will of God. You need to rebuke him and tell him to leave in Jesus' name. The world would like your, car, your, your ear. The world would like for you to give ear like Satan had Eve's ear. The world wants you to listen to the voice of reason. Adam lost what he had because Eve listened to Satan's words and Adam agreed to the compromise. Satan can only defeat us by stealing God's word from us and causing us to become doubtful of what God has promised us. As long as you're fired up and prayed up and read up in the Word of God, the devil ain't going to bother you. He don't want to get a fire started. He don't want to get burned. And I'm going to tell you, we don't realize this. We do not realize this. We give the devil so much power and so much credit, and we almost make him omnipresent like God. He's everywhere, ever, you know, he can see and think and know everything. That is not true about the devil. It's true about God, but it is not true about the devil. He does not know the thoughts and intent of your heart. God does. He does not. He will put thoughts in your mind and in your heart with one goal in mind to deceive you that will lead you to be destroyed. He wants to get you out of the Word of God. Get your mind off of it. Get your mind out of it. Because if He can get you out of the book, you can start questioning you and you don't have an answer. But when you're in the book and he starts questioning you, you can say, it is written. And he can't argue with that. He tried it with Jesus and three times the Lord said it's written. He finally got enough of that and he got out of there and angels came down and started singing to the Lord. Happy days are here again. I don't think that's what he's saying, they sang, but... Lesson, here are some statements that were made by people who thought they were right and later realized how wrong they were. You ever been wrong? 
You ever thought you were right and found out you were wrong? You ever, you ever done wrong and then found out later you was right? I've had both. But it's more of the first one. Listen to this. Western Union wrote this memo in 1876. Here's what they said. This telephone has too many shortcomings to be seriously considered as a means of communication. This device is inherently of no value to us. Boy, if they'd have just known how bad they missed it on that one. Everybody here has probably got a telephone in your hand. David Sarnoff, Associated and Associates, in response to his urgings for an investment in radio in the 1920s, said this, The wireless music box has no imaginable commercial value. Who would pay for a message sent to nobody in particular? Boy, did he eat those words. Anybody bought a spot on a radio announcement at any time in your life? Whoo, can get expensive. A Yale University management professor in response to Fred Smith's paper proposing reliable overnight delivery service said this, the concept is interesting and well-formed, but in order to earn better than a C for your grade, the idea must be feasible. And Smith went on to found Federal Express Corporation with that idea that that professor said it's not feasible. In response to Debbie Fields, anybody ever ate a Debbie Fields cookie? How many of you'd like to have one right now? If you'll just bear with me a few more minutes, I'm getting close, and we can rush rush to the store and get some. But in response to Debbie Fields' idea of starting Miss Fields Cookies, investors said to her, a cookie store is a bad idea. Besides, the market research reports say that Americans like crispy cookies, not the soft and chewy cookies like you make. I think they missed that one too, didn't they? I think old Debbie is probably excited right now because she's pretty wealthy. DECA Recording Company rejected the Beatles in 1962. And here's what they said. They didn't want to record them. They didn't want their records. They didn't want... Here's what they said. We don't like their sound. And guitar music is on its way out. Boy, did they miss that one. Drillers, oil drillers, whom Edwin L. Drake tried to enlist in the project 
to drill for oil in 1859 said this. They said, drill for oil? You mean drill into the ground and try and find it? You're crazy. That's what they told him. How many billions and billions of barrels of oil have come out of the ground because Mr. Drake decided that's what we got to do. And he was looking for investors to get it out of the ground. Irvin Fisher, professor of economics at Yale University, said in 1929, 1929 is a long time ago, stocks have reached what looks like a permanently high plateau. He didn't have a clue, did he? Pierre Patchett, professor of psychology in 1872, said, Louis Pasteur's theory of germs is ridiculously fiction. I'm glad that Louis Pasteur did not listen to him. If he did, we wouldn't be wearing masks tonight, would we? Charles Duell, Commissioner of U.S. Office of Patents, in 1899, made this statement. Everything that can be invented has been invented. Boy, we laugh at those things and we cannot believe it. We raise our eyes, we look at these things, we say, surely they didn't say that. But how many times in our life do we say things more ridiculous, more outlandish, more ignorant than what I just said just now? We say things with our mouth. We say things with our voice. We say things with our tongue. And we get ourselves in more trouble than you can imagine. So we've got to avoid that, if I say, toxic talk. There's some talk that we talk. There's some words that we say. There's some conversations we have. It's toxic. How many knows what toxic is? Tell me, Brother Tom, you, you kind of got an idea probably. Poisonous. Toxic talking is poisonous. Most of us do not realize the effect of what we say and how it affects other people. Unintentionally, we sometimes use reckless words which pierce like a sword. Toxic talk is words that sting and hurt, words that crush the spirit, words that leave people feeling hurt and hopeless. And I've got just a couple of more minutes, and I, my alarm was just about to go off, and I know that. And I said it for 30 minutes. I stood up here and talked before I started, but I've been just a little less than 30 minutes, and I, I'm trying to close, but I want you to hear this. Toxic talk is words that sting and hurt, words that crush the spirit, words that leave people feeling hurt 
and hopeless. So who uses toxic words? Everybody. Anybody can. Parents, husbands, wives, relatives, employers, employees, friends, Christians, non-Christians, adults and children. Everybody has that potential to use words that are toxic. So why do people use toxic words? Sometimes it's intentionally. Sometimes it's unintentionally. Sometimes it's out of ignorance. Deliberately, sometimes. Sometimes it's used because they want to hurt somebody. So who gets hurt when that happens? Children get hurt by their parents. Friends by each other. Husbands by their wives. Wives by their husbands. Everybody gets hurt when we use toxic words. Usually we don't mean to hurt people. The words just pop out <laughs> without planning. And we've all had that problem. We've all wanted to go. I wish I hadn't said that. But once they pop out, it's hard to get them back. In fact, I'll just tell you, it's impossible to get them back because once they're said, it's like spilling milk on the ground. You cannot recover it. Usually, we don't mean to hurt people. We forget them, but the people they hurt may not forget those words that we spoke. Toxic talk doesn't lead to helping us, it always leads to destroying us. Toxic words are words that are usually said in haste or anger. So we got to be careful. Would you stand?